Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian. And this week, we're going to be talking about the 2009 film Zombieland, directed by Ruben Fleischer, written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. In this film, a loner makes some new friends and goes on an adventure in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 10-15 minutes where we'll just talk about the background of the movie, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll come back in and hit the plot, hit some spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, I think you mentioned this film on your Top 10 Zombies uh, list episode that we did uh, a few months back. Uh, Had it been a while since you'd seen this one? It had been a while since I've seen it, and I feel like maybe I even mentioned in that episode that I couldn't quite place it confidently in the correct spot on the list because it had been so long since I'd seen it, but I think I probably put it somewhere between 5 and 10. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think it's been a long time since I've seen it as well. Uh, I feel like I saw this in theaters probably in 2009 when it came out, and maybe not since. But then you and I recently, I don't know, like, yeah, I guess three, four years ago, reviewed the sequel that came out in 2019. Yeah, hard to believe that was four years ago now. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but yeah, actually, actually, I didn't realize that there was like a 10-year gap between this yeah. film and the sequel. That, that's a long one. It's a long gap between sequels, but it's cool that they got them all back after 10 years. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but do you, you remember uh, having a positive impression of it when you watched it back in the day? Yeah, I liked it immediately, and I liked it upon every rewatch. I think I had my wife watch it because she's afraid of horror movies, and I was like, oh, this one isn't scary, so we can watch this one, but it was too much for her. Yeah. Um, But that'll be an interesting to to discuss in our review on whether or not it's scary at all. That's true. But I think the zombies are pretty intense, and the violence is pretty... There's a lot of gore. Yeah, there is. I think that's the scariest part of this film is is the gore. Like it, it's really unexpected too. Because yeah, usually you go into a horror comedy and it's going to be like either funny and like not that gory, uh, and usually not that scary. But this one, I think, because you've got uh, who's the guy Tony Gardner on special effects here, who did Return of the Living Dead, The Blob, Army of Darkness, Thriller. Uh, yeah, you can tell the special effects in this film like they really went all out in making these zombies gory. Yeah, and it's not like a splat stick humor where the gore is used for comedic effect. It's just like, yeah, it's gory because they're zombies and they're all messed up. And when they die, it's gross. And yeah. Yeah. And and it's crazy um, how soon that comes. Like the movie starts off with like intense gore too. So it kind of hits you right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, there's basically a montage of gore. Indeed, it does hit you right off the bat. Yep. Uh, Tony Gardner, by the way, also helped create the signature helmets for Daft Punk. Oh, cool. That's awesome. That's a great look. <laughs> Ashwin and I just recorded 40 minutes of this episode and then my computer crashed. So we're going to be doing a lot of pretending we're giving each other facts we don't know. Yeah. I've actually forgot everything you said. In the last I actually, week. yeah. So yeah. far, I'm like, oh, this is fine. I, yeah, exactly. I blocked all that out of my memory already. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I usually run in life. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, this movie is an interesting combination of gore and comedy. And I think on the comedy front, 
you know, this was the first film by the director Ruben Fleischer. He would go on to do a comedy with Jesse Eisenberg called 30 Minutes or Less, and then other films like Venom, Uncharted, Gangster Squad. So I, I don't feel like he's stuck with horror that much. And same with the writers. You've got like Deadpool, Monsters, Inc. to their credits. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the people associated with this film are, are more comedy than horror. What, what do you think? Yeah, agreed. I mean, at least the creative forces behind the scenes. Um, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, not just Deadpool, but Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2, two and the upcoming Deadpool 3, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. Really? I'm not a big Marvel guy, but I enjoy those Deadpool movies. Yeah, I like that first one. I th- yeah, definitely really funny uh, and good, but part two was good too? It was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as good. It, it was a little stale by then, but it was still funny. And they okay. got Hugh Jackman coming in for... Our, to play Wolverine in the oh, third one. That would be a cool intersection of uh, characters, yeah. And have you seen that photo? He's got like the yellow outfit from the comics in the animated series. No, wow. That's going to be it, in, in Deadpool 3? Yeah, it looks pretty cool, actually. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about that film. Wild. Yeah. But but yeah, a lot, a lot of comedy going on behind the scenes here. And then uh, even the cast. Uh, I You know, Woody Harrelson... I don't know, would you call him like a comedic actor or was he more of like an action? I never know where to place this guy as like, what's his forte? I think he can do it all. I mean, he started comedically in Cheers, right? The TV series. Sure. Um, But then he's got stuff like Natural Born Killers. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Natural Born Killers. He was in No Country for Old Men as more of like a a killer or like a hunter or like a sheriff or something. Private detective, something. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's just played like a, a kingpin comedy, right? Right, good, good call, Kingpin. Lynn Shay w- was in Kingpin oh, yeah. too. Didn't we just bring that up on an episode? <laughs> yeah, you did. Right, yeah. The <laughs> A lot of horror King. overlap in Kingpin. Yep. Um, actually, you know, and, and Emma Stone, we think of her as a serious actress, and she is. But after this and before this, she was, uh, you know, I think super bad in 2007 was probably her biggest movie up sure. until Zombieland that was a comedy yep. and then she was in Easy A in 2010 which was a comedy but then you know a bit more serious in things like The Help in 2011 then she went into Amazing Spider-Man and then proceeded to get nominated for three Academy Awards and win one for Best Actress in La La Land from 2016 right right she got a nomination for Birdman and The Favorite oh I forgot she was in Birdman that's crazy in uh, favorite, yeah, I think that was like a really man. She's done really well. Uh, she has, yeah, quite quite an accomplished actress. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like the the cast here is just like a very well rounded, uh, all genre spanning uh, group. Even Jesse Eisenberg, like yeah, I would have thought more comedic, but he's gone on to do more serious roles as well, like the uh, playing Lex Luthor in Batman or Vivarium with uh, Imogen Poots. So yeah, Zuckerberg in the Social Network. So yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So that's that's kind of cool. So a lot of people who've dabbled in comedy, not necessarily stayed in there uh, behind the scenes here. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, so this this movie originally was supposed to be a TV show, but um, I think the director came on and they fleshed this out to become a full movie. Um, but then there was talk about making it a TV show again in like 2011, and then uh, a pilot was actually released on Amazon in 2013, but it wasn't picked up. Um, but then there was that sequel in 2019. Uh, what do you think? You think there's more left here? Do you think they're ever going to do a third one? I gotta, th- I gotta believe we're done here. Oh yeah, you think we're at the end of the franchise? I think we're at the end of the franchise, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I could see these actors being down for another one, but 
I don't know. Yeah. It, it seems like a good time to hang up to tell. Sure, sure. I I think uh, the zombie uh, genre has maybe run its course for like maybe the next five to ten years. Like we got so much of it in the early two thousands. The Walking Dead killed us in the two thousand tens. Even like zombie horror comedy, like yeah, nothing's gonna top Shaun of the Dead. Uh, yes, yeah, so, like, I I don't know. I just, I just don't know how you make this genre interesting again. What, what do you think? You think there's room here? I think there's still room for more. I think there's still room for more of the same. Uh, One Cut of the Dead was a recent original take on the zombie movie. Hmm. Um, I think there's more in the tank. I don't think, I think the time is over. I, I do think that, that that massive wave is done. But I think every once in a while we're going to get blips. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's another big budget, big box office zomcom in the tank in the next five years yeah interesting do you feel like zomcoms can be kind of repetitive in their style of humor like making fun at the expense of zombies or do you feel like they're different enough where it doesn't feel like too repetitive i feel like it's a bit of a canvas and you can paint as you will within that canvas if you want to rely on the zombies for humor that's a specific type of movie but if you want to just make a comedy that takes place in the zombie apocalypse, there's a lot to work with there. It seems like you're uh, painting yourself into a corner, but boy, mm-hmm. there's a lot of art and painting metaphors here. <laughs> but <laughs> it sure is. It's just like a comedy film, not to paint with broad strokes, but a comedy <laughs> has a very different array of colors that it can (laughs) i'm I'm done now (laughs) but you know a comedy isn't like oh what are you gonna do there's a lots of different brands of humor lots of different styles so you can just combine that with the different avenues of zombie film and i think there's more combinations than it may seem okay okay yeah that makes sense yeah i i don't uh i mean i I don't know if i've seen too many of these i mean obviously this film Shaun of the dead return of the living dead like what are some are there other uh big uh, zombie comedy films, horror comedy films you can think of? Oh, I think I can think of smaller ones like the Fido's and Warm Bodies and stuff, but sure. I'm trying to think of any like big budget ones. Oh, you know what a big one was that I, I feel like I didn't see Anna in the Apocalypse? Did you, did you see that one? Oh, yes, I did see that one. Boy, <laughs> I did not care for that movie, but it got a lot of praise. It's got its fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, it was a musical, so I was I was out. <laughs> that, that was my thing. Uh, <laughs> I actually I I am. Whenever I hear musical, I'm like oh. But then I, I'm often surprised that I can enjoy a <laughs> musical quite a bit. Nice. Did not care for that one. I just thought it was a bad movie. Yeah. Dead Alive's another zom zomcom. Uh, Dead Alive. Oh yeah, Brain yeah, dead. you're right. Yep, that was that was a good one. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Little Monsters. That was a great. Uh, oh, that was you know. Uh, yeah. The more we talk about it, I'm like. Saying it's over. There was Little Monsters in 2019. There was Double Tap in 2019. Yeah. It's still coming. It's interesting because uh, Little Monsters, Zombieland, Double Tap, Dead Alive to some extent, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it's These are like rom-coms mixed with zombies, right? Yes, they are. I think that's a... I think so many comedies are rom-coms, even if it's not... There are this is a rom-com and you're getting all the rom-com beats, but most comedies have a little bit of rom-com element in them. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You just got to, so, someone going There's after someone. There's a love someone. interest. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and looking like an idiot. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, even even like Ace Ventura and Tommy Boy and stupid sure. uh, comedies from our past. I got to bring up Tommy Boy every ten episodes. <laughs> you know, Have some sort of romantic subplot. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But it's interesting when you think about uh, other horror comedies uh, genres. Uh, how often does the the romantic aspect come up? I'm trying to think of. Like, what other horror comedies we've seen? Um, yeah, Tucker and like Dale Tucker had Dale. a romantic yeah, aspect. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if comedy just naturally, uh, to, to your point, always has, like, a romantic uh, point to it. I think they go well together. Okay, yeah. Uh, speaking of going well together, they, uh, this movie went really well with its budget. Uh, on a budget of $23 million, it got $102 million at the box office, so uh, good good return there, four or five times its, its cost. Yeah, number one at the box office that weekend. It was the highest grossing zombie film in history until it was surpassed by Resident Evil Afterlife in 2010. Uh, who knew people were still going to see those movies, but apparently a lot. <laughs> Are they still and coming out with those? I feel like it was just a few years ago they came out with another one in the, uh, one of the Mila Jovovich ones, but now they're doing like, other Resident Evil movies like that are trying to get more back to what the game was. I think wow. they just did Welcome to Raccoon City, maybe was the subtitle of a recent one they did, just in the past two or three years. Okay. That was supposed to be like Resident Evil 2, I believe. You think these the game? have a romantic angle as well? I don't know. I haven't seen... The original Resident Evil movie is the only one I've ever seen. Yeah, same. same. But we should do some video game horror movies. We should do Resident Evil. We should do Silent Hill. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I I've got a. It's it's hard for me to appreciate those because a lot of times I feel like they're just. So you start with a video game and you're just trying to like break, put a plot to it, so it seems like you're forcing a storyline in. But yeah, there's something to these. Like they've they've made a bunch of money, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's still fun to talk about, even if they just go off the rails with the plot or don't don't stick to the game at all. Sure. Yeah, that's true. True. Uh, so yeah, th- this was a huge success, um, and even critics uh, were a big fan of this. It's got an 89% in Rotten Tomatoes and an 86% audience score, so pretty well revered uh, at the time. And uh, let's see, you have any other background you want to share? I don't really have much more background to share, but I got some shout-outs and an Ohio connection. Cool, let's do it. So we want to thank our new patrons for supporting the show. Thank you, Dave D., Jennifer A., Jennifer S., Khalil B., and Aaron J. Uh, thank you all so much, and we hope you enjoy the bonus content that's out there. Uh, we're going to get another episode in the works pretty soon here. Sorry, it's been a little while for those audio episodes, but there's also video episodes, including some of us eating some really spicy wings that you can go watch if you want to see my bald head sweat. And I also have been meaning to acknowledge for months on the podcast that we had three members of our Discord server meet up in person and go see Bo is Afraid together. And that's just really cool that that happened. That just a cool reflection on the Discord community. It warms our hearts to know that that was a thing that occurred. <laughs> so shout out to Zach, Alexis, and Margo. So great that you guys did that. And uh, yeah, if anybody else does that in the future, just let us know. Yeah, that's really cool. Fun to make uh, friends on the internet. Yeah, but beware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach got the shit beat out of him by Alexis and Margo, so. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be a warning. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That, that's so cool I got to meet up in real life. Yeah, pretty neat. And our Ohio connection, as always, is done by our friend Alex, who connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. 
Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in the area, you got to swing by for some delicious food and drinks. And Alex says Zombieland is a post-apocalyptic zombie comedy film starring Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. In the film, four strangers make their way on an extended cross-country road trip to find a sanctuary free from zombies. Harrelson first became known for his role as bartender Woody Boyd on the sitcom Cheers. He went on to star in countless films, receiving three Academy Award nominations along the way. Best Actor for The People vs. Larry Flint, and Best Supporting Actor for both The Messenger and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Born in Midland, Texas, Harrelson's family relocated in 1973 after his father was incarcerated for murdering a federal judge. Now in his mother's home state, Harrelson attended Lebanon High School, graduating in 1979. He spent that summer working at Kings Island Amusement Park, located in Mason, Ohio. That's awesome. Did you ever go to Kings Island as a kid? No, I never did. I was always curious about it, but we were so close to Cedar Point, it was kind of like, why go to Kings Island? Cedar Point's the best. Yeah, I know. They, you had a little north-south thing going on in Ohio. Everyone in the north goes to Cedar Point. Yeah, wasn't there one called the Beast or something in Kings yeah. Island that was supposed to have a reputation? Yeah, it was supposed to be like one of the longest roller coasters, I think, uh, like time-wise duration. Mm, gotcha. Uh, I'd still like to get there and, and ride that. Yeah. I love roller coasters. Yeah. Uh, that's such a wild story about uh, his dad killing a federal judge. Yeah, <laughs> and so I did not know that, and then I, I've already shared this with Ashvin, so he can pretend to have his mind blown again. <laughs> but a couple of days after I learned that from Alex's email, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Stuff You Should Know, just today, and they mentioned that Woody Harrelson's dad was also a suspect in the JFK assassina- assassination. That's crazy. Uh, he like confessed to it while he was high, and they didn't know if he was serious or not. There's a whole conspiracy theory there to go look into. And I also learned that Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey have recently discovered that they might be half-brothers. Matthew McConaughey's mom was hanging out with Woody because they're really good friends, apparently, and she was basically like, you know, I uh, knew your dad. And <laughs> they're like, what? And if you look at a picture of them side-by-side, side, just Google Woody and M- Matthew brothers, and you'll see a side-by-side side pic of them, and they really do look alike. Oh, wow. <laughs> Really, it would be really interesting if they could find that out and confirm. And I just know, I blow fr- everybody's minds. Yeah, I think that's really easy to find out these days with all like the DNA tests you got out there in the twenty threes and me's. Uh, that, that that's yeah, they they should they should be able to figure that out, right? Yeah, I read that Matthew McConaughey was kind of hesitant to do it because he's like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of like shake up who I think my family is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, I, yeah. I'd, I'd be pretty shaken up if I found out found out I was related to Woody Harrelson. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I could I'd see that. I'd be pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, that's cool. That's a really cool uh, family lineage. I'd, I'd love to read more about his dad. Uh, just sounds like quite a character. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, are you ready to talk about the plots of the film and uh, spoil it and get into our review? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's Great. do this again. All right. <laughs> Round two. Here we go. But before we do that, uh, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I, I just got to go do an activity very quickly. Oh, <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. Thanks. I'll be right back. All right, hey Brian, I'm back. 
hey, how did your activity go? Uh, it was really good. You know, it was, it was a three-legged race. Uh, and it's it was, it was really easy. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we, I won pretty sleep because all the other fathers and sons were zombies. Uh, so that they usually aren't very coordinated. So, uh, yeah, the, the other two strangers I found, we, we beat them pretty easily. Nice. It's good. Yeah. Hey, oh, and a three-legged race, it's just two people, right? Is yeah, that would have been a uh, <laughs> that would have been a, like what one, two, five like one two three four legged race. Damn, is that a thing? I <laughs> no, I think because it'd be a four legged race even if you weren't tied together. No, wait a minute, that would I, be a six legged race. I think so, we, oh my god, I why think, am I do having such a hard time counting legs? I think we've invented a new sport here, man. A four-legged race? Yeah. The person in the middle, like, though, would have no legs, though, right? Like, they'd just be, like, completely tied to the other two's legs? They'd be... Both of their legs would be tied, so they'd really be along for a ride. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. We need to make, like, one more friend and then try that someday. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know what is less realistic: us making another friend, or us actually trying this. That's one, true. That's true. Two very un- unproblematic things. Yeah. Two big obstacles. For sure. For sure. All right. Well. All right. So th- this movie kicks off introducing us to. Speaking of people who have trouble making friends, uh, the main character, uh, his name, or he goes by Columbus. Everyone in this movie goes by a city. That they're associated with so jesse eisenberg is our main character and he goes by columbus and he introduces us and sets the stage as a narrator he talks through the zombie apocalypse that the world has now fallen into and he narrates the set of rules that he's come up with to survive and it includes things like cardio uh double tapping which is like shooting zombies twice checking the back seat of a car and wearing a seat belt and as he's explaining each of these rules we're seeing some creative zombie attacks on the screen, which highlight the importance of each of these elements. So it's kind of fun to see the words and his dialogue on screen on on top of these very like gory kills happening. And then we get the opening credit, which is a slow motion uh, take of uh, zombie attacks and like really crazy scenarios, like three legged races um, and uh, some other things, people on fire. And it's all set to Metallica's for whom the bell tolls. Uh, Brian, what did you think of the opening and, and the setting of this film? I really loved it. I love the introduction to Columbus. He, Everything we see him do in that opening scene is just a perfect example of his neuroticism and the rules he lives by, but also shows us he's capable, even if he doesn't really market himself that way. He really aptly handles the zombies that he's confronted with and stays cool. Uh, or at least he appears cool, even though he's clearly nervous. And uh, good character intro, and then just a good introduction to the world and what's going on here with the montage. I love that uh, musical cue. Did they do Master of Puppets in the second one? I think so. That sounds Or did familiar. they do For Whom the Bell Tolls Again? There's another Metallica song in Zombieland Double Tap. There is, yeah, yeah. I feel like it might be Master of Puppets. Okay. Yeah, doesn't the second one, aren't they at, like, does it start out with them in, like, the White House or something? Uh, That's X-Men 2. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I forget too. But yeah, I I remember, like, a a fun, like, credit with, like, a, yeah, a Metallica song. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, uh, I I, I agree, man. Like, this is a great setup, great introduction to the character. Uh, Also, like, great uh, setting, like, setting up the tone of the film, like, really stylish editing 
going on, um, kind of like cheeky dialogue, uh, and um, yeah, really gory kills. Uh, so it's it's kind of a cool element elements coming together to create like the vibe of the film. Yeah, good point. It's not just like here's the world we inhabit, like you know, there's zombies everywhere. It, it's been this way for a little while, but like here is the world you will be inhabiting. Like this is our brand of humor. This is the style of the movie. This is the language of the movie. Right. It grounds you. You get you perfectly become comfortable with it within exactly. the first ten five ten minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a yeah great great accomplishment there. Uh, so then the plot picks up uh, as we follow Columbus. He is uh, wandering down a highway headed towards Columbus, Ohio, where he wants to reunite with his parents, who he hasn't seen in a while. Uh, we learn he's a pretty socially isolated guy, uh, even before all of this went down. Uh, he's never really had a meaningful connection with anyone, including his family. Uh, we also get like a fun flashback of him, where like a, a, a woman who lives like in his hallway or in his dorm comes over. And he like thinks like uh, he's like falling for her, but she's bitten by a zombie. So we get like a suspenseful attack there, and that's like his introduction to zombie stuff going on. So it's kind of cool to see. Uh, we we get that moment where like the character's like experiencing a zombie for the first time, which I thought that was a really cool scene. Did you you like that one? It was actually a really cool scene, and again, it stuck to the like style and rules of the movie, and that we still don't learn his name or her name in that. She right. calls him 408 and he calls her 406 because that's the rooms that they're in. Right, the yeah. The dorm numbers. Um, and yeah, it is a cool scene. I, I, there's actually a decent jump scare because she like comes into his room and falls asleep like in his lap. It's this like magical moment for him because she's a beautiful girl. And he's like brushing her hair. And he's a nerd. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. talks about how he's always wanted to brush a girl's hair over her ear. <laughs> it's Amber Heard, by the way. Right, yeah, Johnny who, Depp's who played, ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he wakes up and she's a zombie. It's a cool jump scare. Mm-hmm. And she looks great. Props Tony Gardner and his team. And it's actually kind of suspenseful to chase through the the house here or the, yeah. uh, the dorm or whatever. And kind of funny, but kind of scary too, actually. Yeah. It gave me a lot of like Evil Dead vibes, like the way she comes out of the bathroom, uh, like coming after him. Yeah, it gave me a lot of Evil Dead. I, I thought that same thing, too. It also gave me Evil Dead vibes because it was a another instance where I became attracted to a woman, <laughs> a even more so after she had some sort of demonic or zombie makeup on. <laughs> this is becoming really a trend to, here. <laughs> I think I need to bring this up to my therapist next time. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's really painting the background of who this character was before and then during and after the zombie apocalypse. And I think it paints, like, a, a picture, as you were mentioning, of, like, uh, yeah, end-to-end. End, like, yeah, this this guy, we really understand him and know his style of thinking and the rules he abides by. Uh, so he's walking down this highway, and he hitches a ride. He, well, he runs into this uh, Woody Harrelson's character, whose name is Tallahassee. And Woody Harrelson uh, as Tallahassee is more of like this cowboy who is just like kind of out there, like guns blazing, uh, driving this big pickup truck around with a number three on it. And like couldn't be more opposite than Columbus. So they have a really funny intro where they're just like pointing a gun at each other. And then uh, he lets Jesse Eisenberg hitch a ride with him. The two of them become friendly and are driving around the country. And one day while they're raiding a grocery store, they find two sisters, uh, Wichita and Little Rock, who trick Tallahassee and Columbus into handing over their weapons and steal the car from them. So uh, later, Columbus and Tallahassee 
are able to find another hum, Hummer, I think, that they uh, take over that has a bunch of weapons in it. But again, they run into the sisters again who uh, trick them and take over their vehicle. But this time they let Columbus and Tallahassee ride along with them. Uh, what do you think of the introduction of all these characters and the dynamics between them? And uh, yeah, just the whole flow of the film so far. I think Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg are perfect for when we were talking about comedies and how so many of them end up as romantic comedies. I think many of the ones that don't end up as romantic comedies end up as buddy comedies. Like Tommy Boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and did I mention Tommy Boy in the recording that got deleted or in this one now? I think it was this one. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway. So they are are perfect for like a buddy comedy movie because they're just so polar opposites. Like Woody Harrelson doesn't give a fuck and is just a total badass. And Jesse Eisenberg's totally paranoid and hesitates about everything and it plays it plays a conservative. But also just comedically, it's a perfect, perfect melding. He's so awkward and they would never get along, but they kinda do. And I I brought this up last time, but the physical humor of Jesse Eisenberg, like sticking his thumb out from the gun he has pointed at Woody Harrelson is such a simple moment, but he nails it in such a way that really tickled me. And I don't think many other actors would have made me laugh during sure. that moment. Uh, but he, he did. He made me laugh many times at stuff I could easily picture another actor not making me laugh at. Mm, so, yeah. So props to him. And I think both of them were just perfectly cast and their delivery the lines are funny. The script is funny, but their delivery of it just is the icing on the cake. For what sure. What do you think? I agree, man. Yeah, the, the casting here is so good. Jesse Eisenberg as this like neurotic, uh, awkward guy who doesn't have a lot of friends is so good. And yeah, he plays that character so well, which it's weird because I, I feel like that's him in most of his roles. Uh, but here it, it like suits him so well. And the writing is so sharp. And my favorite scenes, I think, are like the dialogue between him, like this banter that's going on between him and uh, Tallahassee. Because like, yeah, those two just play off each other so well. They're kind of like he, I think, is more uh, endearing, I guess. But and, and Tallahassee kind of like hates him but it's like kind of like a love-hate thing maybe where like they're tolerating each other or he's tolerating uh columbus and it's just like yeah it really pulls you in and like sucks you into like that dynamic of uh their, their back and forth for sure and we've talked about the buddy comedy elements the romantic comedy elements boy now i'm getting confused about whether we talked about something <laughs> the <first round. laughs> in the first round or this yeah um but this is also an action movie, and Woody Harrelson is the source of a lot of action. So his introduction to the film gives us a lot of cool, badass action moments as well, which I think are done really well. The cinematography here is done by Michael Bonvillain. Hmm. Bonvillain? Bond? It all sounds like James uh, Bond Like a James Bond villain, yeah. Yeah, Michael Bonvillain, without a D. Okay. But he did uh, Cloverfield. He filmed oh, cool. Cloverfield, so... I think he's got a knack for just kinetic energy and action and mm -hmm. all the action scenes are done really well here too. We they haven't are. seen like the best of them yet, but yep. we get a little taste when Woody's introduced. Yeah, yeah. It, actually, this was this part was kind of disappointing when they go into the grocery store. Uh, he's confronted by a zombie and he's got like these, uh, what are they, like hedge cutters or whatever. What do you call those things? Yeah, hedge trimmers. Hedge trimmers, yeah. And But we don't see like what he does with them, do we? 
We don't. We don't get that scene. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was cut for, for rating or just they didn't want to bother with that moment. I thought it was still cool. Um, yeah. And you get Jesse Eisenberg like kind of sliding underneath a zombie while he, or underneath Swings, yeah. him swinging the, yeah, it's, it's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Good action scenes here. And then uh, I, I like the introduction of the, of Wichita Little Rock and like how they kind of like outsmart these two. And it's just like kind of fun to see like at the expense of Columbus and Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. And we get Columbus's awkward self uh, narration, like someone's ear is in danger of having hair brushed <laughs> over it. That's such a great line. Really awkward, but yeah. still kind of funny. Yeah. 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 You're right. The, the, the writing here is, is really sharp and a lot of like jokes in there. Um, so yeah, after uh, they trick them for the second time into uh, hijacking their vehicle, the second time they let Columbus and Tallahassee tag along with them. Um, at one point, uh, they're, you know, so, so the four of them like kind of start to get along a little bit in the car. They're like talking to each other. Um, at one point, Columbus asks about Ohio, which is where he wants to go to see his parents. And Wichita reveals that Ohio's just like decimated and like Columbus is like gone. And uh, I think it's supposed to be a heavy part of the movie. And then later on uh, that night, she stops by a pickup truck so that he can get out and go on his way to to uh, Columbus. But he decides that he'd rather just stick with these four characters. And I think we're starting to talk about this, but this seems like it should have been a huge point in the film because everything we know about his character is he's, uh, uh, you know, like a loner. He doesn't like have friends and he's got this idea for like where he wants to go and who he wants to meet. But this seems like a big turning point for his character where he's deciding purposely to give up on that and stick with a group. So uh, I feel like this maybe should have come later in the film after they had like more adventures or time together and it felt premature here. But what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in the wrong place in the film. It was like a, a little quick and easy for the big moment it should have been. Like, oh, his name is Columbus. He's going to Columbus. He told us right away in the narration He's headed to Columbus to see if his parents are still alive. It's the like only connection he's got. And then, yeah, he, he finds out Columbus is decimated. Doesn't necessarily mean his parents are dead. Yeah. But then he decides not to bother. And he does, he had told us earlier, like he didn't even really get along that well with his parents, but it's just something he's found himself longing for connection with people even though he never really did in the past and i think maybe it's telling us like hey why am i going to see my parents who i never even got along with when i'm actually like really connecting with these three people in the car with me but Two it is very subtle and quick like yeah you kind of have to do that math for yourself and i don't know that the elements of the movie what we see what we hear really brings that home for us. So yeah, it is, yeah. it is a little just like too light. Um, yeah, too late. And, 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 and in a little rough, ahead. I mean, he, he's only hung out with these, uh, two of these people just for like a few hours, like that day. So that, that seems like a, a big sacrifice. Like I'm not going to go, uh, I'm going to like quit my search for my parents, uh, so easily just because, uh, yeah, someone mentioned know how it's gone and suddenly I have two, people who were, they weren't even friends at that point, really. He just had like this kind of, uh, crush for a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I feel like Emma Stone could do that. <laughs> she could, yeah, that part. <laughs> to yeah, a yeah. person. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I'd do the same thing if I was in his shoes, but yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> but I was looking back at the structure of the movie after we finished it, or after I finished it. I watched it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking, huh, like that was pretty light on plot points. And I was kind of cycling back, like, what was the big moment? For him, where he like, and that, I mean, there were many big moments, but that was one of them. And mm-hmm. it was played so small, but it is a plot point in the structure of the movie. And it's just a little weird because then there was a certain point where I wrote down, I'm 46 minutes in and I'm starting to realize not much has happened. I've been engaged the whole time, but even though it's a big movie, it's kind of a small movie too. It's just these four people. And yeah. I think a lot of zombie movies are like this. The original Dawn of the Dead was a lot like this, where not that much happened. This movie has the good sense to be just under 90 minutes. I will not... Well, I will. I will besmirch Dawn of the Dead <laughs> from 1978, <laughs> even though it's very beloved. It's long. It's long to not have... For a movie that doesn't have that many big plot points. And, right. and this movie, I think, makes the wise decision to not be long so yeah I, I think, all this to say not too much has happened but sure. still entertaining yeah i mean i, I think the plot of this film uh, like the, everything yeah like it, it, there isn't a lot that happens throughout the whole film. like it seems like it's all just a uh, ploy to get them all to the final scene where like that's where like everything happens uh otherwise it's just like yeah one person meets another meets two more and then they're on this road trip right uh yeah pr- pretty minimal plot but um, yeah, zombie films in general, I, 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 they tend to be more character-driven because there isn't too much in the premise. Like you can't like uh, go like places or interact with like new characters all the time and stuff. Like you're kind of like set with a set of characters, and a lot of times action is more involved around their interactions with each other. A lot, and, and then you talk about like yeah, we're forty-seven minutes into this. A lot of what we've seen so far, and a lot of like the dialogue and and uh, action has been like flashbacks too. Like his flashback. Uh, as uh, you know, going through the first uh, zombie attack in in his dorm room, or um, the intro where it's all just like other people getting attacked by zombies, or uh, Woody Harrelson's like background—he supposedly had a puppy or something, or like a background on Wichita. So you're getting like uh, a lot. Of, well, not, not a lot's happening like in real time. A lot of time is being spell, spent on like these flashbacks, right? Yeah. So the group of four isn't really encountering that many zombies themselves. Like exactly. they are not engaging as a group of four in zombie action. Yeah, exactly. Which a point I made before on on, on trial one is really kind of a road trip movie rather than any sort of apocalypse or post-apocalyptic yeah. movie. Even though a lot of post-apocalyptic movies end up people kind of sitting around and like you said, it's very character heavy. Right. It, it feels like a road trip movie and it, at its core yeah yeah do you feel like we're getting enough interaction with uh well i guess maybe later your mind changes there but at this point like are you getting enough interaction between the four characters i think so yeah okay i feel like i don't know like i know we're getting a lot of columbus because he's the narrator and a lot of like our understanding and perspective of what's happening is through his narration but in terms of like characters like talking getting to know one another uh it seems pretty minimal until like later on in the film well, yeah, I mean, you learn Little Rock has her heart set on going to Pacific Playland, and when she's asleep, Wichita kind of confesses, like, I know this Pacific Playland thing is silly, but, like, 
she hasn't had a chance to be a kid in such a long time. Mm, sure. We get their background as a flashback. They were two kind of grifters, just like scamming people, like they, like they are in the post-apocalyptic world too, just scamming people yeah. to to get by. And what other interactions do we get? We just get like kind of people doing little road trip games and questions for each other. I think sure. there's enough interaction and development. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think there's one scene where it's almost like a montage, but it's like just like jumping in and out of quick conversations they're all having when they're in the car. And I, I really like that. That like felt really natural. It did. Agreed. Yeah. They all have good chemistry. Okay. All right. Uh, so the four of them wandered to the West Coast. As you mentioned, uh, Little Rock wants to go to Pacific Playland, which is basically Disney World, right? Uh, I think of it more as like a Kings Island or Cedar Point. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? I mean, it wasn't, nothing is like Disney World. Fuck off if you even think so. (laughs) Okay, yeah. A whole different ballgame here. All right. Uh, But on the way, they stop by Bill Murray's mansion, and they get settled in there. Uh, Then, to their surprise, Tallahassee and Wichita, while they're wandering around the mansion, they find Bill Murray, and at first they think he's dead, but then uh, he reveals that he's actually alive, and he just has fun dressing up as a zombie so he can go out and like play golf and stuff. So it's kind of a fun uh, random cameo that we get here, and there's a fun scene of like them all getting high and listening to music and having a good time. But uh, they convince Bill Murray to pretend he's a zombie and go scare Columbus, but this ends up going sideways because Columbus believes it's a zombie and ends up shooting Bill Murray in the chest with a shotgun and kills him. Uh, what would you think? I remember the first time I saw this, this cameo like blew me away, but what would you think? It blew me away that the cameo was there, and then it blew me away again that they just <laughs> accidentally killed him, and then he died and was yeah. no longer in the movie anymore. <laughs> uh, it's not mind-blowing the second time, but it's still funny. Like The scene with him dying is funny, uh, another thing I really appreciated before that was Columbus and Little Rock were sitting in Bill Murray's like movie theater in his house watching a movie, and Columbus is trying to like get the inside info on Wichita, and Little Rock's like, oh, she kind of likes bad boys. And he's like, oh, really? That's cool. And then they're sharing this bowl of popcorn, and he just knocks it over onto the floor. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so pathetic, but it's, like, funny. Like, it, yeah, and they're very simple jokes that, I, yeah. again, delivery, timing, editing, it, it all really helps it work. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the comedic timing is, is gold here. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the Bill, Murray, Bill Murray thing is so surprising to bring him in and then pull him out so quick. And I think it speaks to the fact that there's not a lot going on in this film. That like this becomes like what like a ten minute or fifteen minute play with Bill Murray in there. It's just like a random plot point that comes in and goes. Yeah, I mean it's really a good chunk of time just shooting the shit in this house. Yeah, uh, but there is a, an intimate encounter between Wichita and Columbus while they're here. So. Sure. Yes. In a way that justifies the scene. Yeah, yeah. So after after Bill Murray is dead, the the characters kind of settle into this mansion, and and then yeah, you start to get more. You see like this great bonding moment between Tallahassee and uh, Little Rock, where he's helping her kind of like shoot a shoot name a gun, uh, and he also opens up that it wasn't actually a dog that he lost, but uh, it was a son that he had. So you're getting some insight into like the the emotional drivers here, and then yeah, Wichita and columbus hit it off and they're having they're kind of flirting and they're getting ready to kiss but um tallahassee 
disrupts them. Um, but then the next morning, uh, Columbus wakes up and Wichita and Little Rock take off for Playland, leaving them behind again. And uh, yeah, what do you think? Was this like too much like will they, won't they back and forth? Like these are characters who keep trying to settle into each other, but then like keep like splitting up and like, they, is this like building like the lack of trust that still exists between them? Or uh, what was your take read on this? I actually think it's pretty interesting the way it happened because you have those two times they've scanned them already that have, you know, kind of hacked away at some trust and then they've rebuilt it and now they're gone again. But this time it's clearly that Wichita is like, okay, like me and my sister's mantra is always just like me and her against the world. And here I am like falling in love with this dude. I can't do this to my sister. We can't trust anybody else. I might be putting her life in jeopardy. I got to get out of here. So, mm-hmm. and it's a typical avenue for a romantic subplot to go. Like, I can't, like, I can't be in this relationship right now. I'm not ready to let go. Be vulnerable. And uh, yeah, I'm not ready to be vulnerable. I think it works. And I, I think it's made more interesting because it's like, predecessed what's the word i'm looking for it's got this background of the yeah she's already left twice yeah right what did you think uh yeah yeah to to me it it felt like pointing out some of the like ingrained flaws in some of these characters or like these uh hard uh walls that they've put up between each other which i think is a running theme throughout this film is like you're in this post uh apocalyptic place and we know that like traditionally Jesse has been that way even before the apocalypse he's kind of been siloed off and like walled off to people and so like now he's throughout the film like maybe he's forcing himself to be more vulnerable and like connecting with people uh but I think like he's getting some of that those walls kind of turned back on him now from the people he's trying to connect with uh so it, it is it's interesting um yeah the way they play with like how who's ready for a relationship versus who isn't uh, it right. seems to change throughout the course of the film. Yeah. Um, Boy, if I was uh, really flirting with uh, painting metaphors earlier, you just said wall or walls about three or four times. Yeah. Walls all over the place. We need four of them <laughs> yeah. at least. I'm going to fucking paint that wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so this is, I think, one of the most ridiculous parts of the film, though. They go to Playland and Wichita turns on all the rides, and this is like at night, so all these lights come on, uh, rides start moving, and naturally, like, every zombie in California sees this and is, like, drawn to the lights. So they're, like, riding these rides for and, like, having fun for, like, five minutes, and then they realize, oh, shit, we've just attracted, like, every zombie, because remember, there's this whole zombie thing going on right now. So they're on this <laughs> ride that's, I, th- I think it's kind of like a demon drop, right, where you're, it goes up and down really fast. Is that what you call that? Yeah, sure. It's got different names, different places. At Cedar Point, it's called the Power Tower. Oh, Power Tower. Nice. Yeah, or like Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney World. Basically, the rides that, yeah, just drop straight down. Sure. So they're on one of those, and there's a crowd of zombies below them, and uh, they've they're, they've somehow like locked themselves up there at the top by shooting the control panel, but the zombies are still climbing up. Fortunately, at this point, uh, Columbus and Tallahassee show up just in the nick of time, and Tallahassee at this point breaks into action hero mode and goes on the shooting rampage, just like taking down zombies left and right and like putting himself in one of these play pens and just like shooting down uh, all these zombies while Columbus 
we see him abandon one of his rules. This whole movie has been like uh, all about his rules and like uh, kind of reminding the audience about them. But one of them is never become a hero or never be a hero. And he breaks that rule here by confronting a clown zombie, which we know is one of his biggest fears, and saving Wichita and Little Rock. And uh, the movie ends with the four of them driving off with Tallahassee finally finding a Twinkie amidst all this chaos. And we assume that now the four of them are going to jive and probably try not to abandon each other. Um, it, what did you think of like this grand finale? Was this like the payoff that you think the, uh, the movie needed? Yeah, I think so. I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't amazing, but it had been light on zombie action with the four of them involved. And I think to make it big here and have just a total swarm of zombies makes it feel like more of a payoff since we haven't seen that much yeah. before. Um, I did really like that moment where Tallahassee locks himself in like the the game booth or kiosk or something and just starts shooting all of them and he lines up all his magazines. What did, what did you call it? A playpen? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's it is, like right? the booth where they have these like carnival games. Right. Uh, a playpen, yeah. I think. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool scene. And he's got like the the gun cartridges like on the table, and he's like, put, put like yeah, like kneeling the gun. Is that have you, is that how you reload a gun? Like you just slam it down on a cartridge? Uh, I don't think there are many people that can make that work. Oh, but, uh, okay. Theoretically, I guess you could. It looks kind of cool. Uh, oh, it looked really cool. And then yeah, there's moments where he's like grabs onto a spinny ride and holds onto it, and just yeah. kind of shoots a semi-automatic. Or an automatic machine gun at everybody, everybody being zombies. Uh, there's a couple cool moments like that in here. And then, of course, earlier in the movie, Columbus has said his biggest fear is clowns. And it's a big, giant zombie clown standing between him and the girl. So it was cool. It is pretty stupid of them to turn on all the lights in the amusement park. <laughs> it's stupid of them to get on that ride that they're just... Then <laughs> locked into. Why yeah. would you lock yourself into a place? Yeah, uh, you're not even locked inside. You're exposed to the outside. <laughs> There's just a belt bar, like you just a lap bar, trapping you in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a really poor choice. I, I feel like there's definitely stuff where it's like, okay, we're just doing this because it's cinematically cool. The characters wouldn't have done it. But I guess it can be overlooked. They've been waiting for Pacific Playland this whole time. If you really want to pick things apart. There wouldn't even be electricity at this point. But <laughs> yeah, what did you think of the finale? Uh, to me, it felt like this was like what the whole movie was riding on uh, because, yeah, not much has happened. Uh, but we've got like some great character moments. But like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You've got a zombie film and like outside of that one bathroom scene that we had, which was a flashback. This is the first time like they're actually like facing off with zombies. Um, the prim- like, yeah, the, the setup of it just seems ridiculous because like w- what have they done to at till this point that would uh, have explained why they would make a, a dumb decision like this, like go into like this outdoor space and just draw a bunch of zombies towards them. So uh, it, that part to make sense. The other thing, uh, it kind of feels like someone one day went to, you know, like I know Six Flags here has like a Fright Night thing or like you go to Disney World or Universal Studios around Halloween, you have like monsters in it running around. Did someone just go to one of those and think, oh, how cool would it be to make a movie where like you're at a park and a bunch of uh, monsters are attacking you and like how you could use the rides uh, to emphasize the scariness and stuff. And like, was that like the inception of this movie and everything else was just kind of added on to that? 
So it, it felt like there was a, a lot that was like riding on this ending, which is, is a fun ending, but I, I don't think from a character perspective uh, is all that interesting. I think it works a little bit with Little Rock's character, though, because she's got it in her mind that she's heard Pacific Playland is like free of zombies and is just this wonderful place. I think they maybe say that at one point. And Wichita is also like, hey, you know, she hasn't been able to be a kid in so long, and I want to be able to give that to her. Mm. So it kind of makes sense, and you're forgetting that she's a little girl, uh, not like a hardened <laughs> badass living in the zombie apocalypse, but, yeah. you know, 12 or 13-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't hold her responsible, but, like, Wichita is, like, look at the one looking out for her. I feel like would have been like way smarter, especially if they made it this far in in the zombie world. Yeah, I still think it's a stupid decision. But as far as you saying like, oh, someone just thought it'd be cool to do the the finale in an amusement park, so that's why they did it. I think it's built. Maybe that's true, but I think they wove it into Little Rock and Wichita's character well enough that it doesn't feel super forced. Even, like, when you consider the title of this film as Zombieland, you don't think it's, like, a direct play on, like, an amusement park full of zombies? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the title came later. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 you're probably right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I just struggled to believe that they would be here at, at like, night. I, I get it, yeah, there's an emotional connection for uh, Little Rock, and, and, like, it makes sense that she would want to go here. Uh, I just feel like the characters, yeah, would have been more careful about it, and it's hard to, like, justify, like, why they were there. And then even, like, uh, this dude, uh, Tallahassee, taking out all these zombies with two hand pistols, is that, uh, like, there were hundreds of them, like, surrounding him. Could you do that? I think our our sportsmanlike and gun nuts listeners are <laughs> really proud of you for accurately calling them hand pistols. Yeah, those hand pistols. Are, like, is that, how many zombies can you take out with a hand pistol? Oh, by the way, in in terms of testing our like sports dude type knowledge, do you know what the number three on Woody Harrelson's car is? Uh oh, it's a it's a NASCAR driver, right? Yeah, do you know which one? No, I don't know any NASCAR drivers. Who's it? I think it's Dale Earnhardt Jr., but we'll find out uh, if I'm wrong, too. Uh, okay, okay. Is, is that is that like a person who's still driving? Uh, I don't think he still drives, but okay. I, I really don't. Yeah, NASCAR is not way outside of my expertise. Yeah, same. Oh, man, they just had a NASCAR race in downtown Chicago. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was like uh, in, in July for the first time uh, they... Thought it'd be a good idea to race around downtown, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of sports going on here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the hand pistols. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so yeah, I, I think did, did you get enough crazy kills too? Uh, like, I think when I think about like other zombie films that are a lot of fun, like Dead Alive and stuff, you get some really over the top, ridiculous stuff. And I think I was hoping for more of that in this final scene, uh, but didn't quite get that. Did you feel like you got any of that? Yeah, you almost get more of that in the montages and flashbacks from the beginning than you do in this finale. Yeah. I didn't really feel like I needed that. It just felt like it didn't fit the style of the movie. It wasn't splatstick. It wasn't obsessed with the kills. It seemed like this moment was more obsessed with the action, and there were so many that to get any one specific cool kill didn't seem quite as urgent, but... Sure, we could. I mean, I wouldn't have complained, that's for sure. Yeah, it was the killing of masses. But maybe in like his fight with the killer clown who we know 
he's like pretty frightened about. Uh, yeah, how did that go down? I'm trying to think he, of the sequence there. Of he had that sequence hammer of attacks. that you hit that uh, thing with at a carnival and that bell right. goes up. And yeah, and just at, smashed his face with it. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, he had some cool gore, but like I don't know how creative it was. Sure, yeah. Uh, do you know, they set up uh, that whole thing like kill of the week and like we get like one snippet of it in this film of like a woman pulling a string and like a piano falling on a zombie. I thought there would be some more of that like played out by these two characters. Yeah, they really could have hammered that home or brought that back during this finale and yeah. one of them could have said that was definitely the zombie kill of the week. Exactly. Feels like a missed opportunity, sure. I think so. I think they tried to bring that back more in uh, Double Tap, potentially. I feel like that theme came up more there. Yeah, Double Tap, my memory of that is getting pretty rusty already, but I almost feel like maybe they went a little too heavy on action right away, and it just, Mm. the movie didn't really feel, it didn't feel the same as this movie. Sure, sure. But you can't really replicate that again. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, yeah, and I think there is like a ending credit scene, right? I I don't think I got to it. Did you get to it? Uh, no, I don't think there was one. Oh, okay. For some reason, uh, yeah, you know, Netflix was like pops oh. up like the next thing. Yeah, there was one actually. It was just um, was it Bill? It was I, something with Bill Murray. Yeah, like is he a zombie or something? I think he's trying to show Woody Harrelson how to imitate. Uh, his character from Caddyshack. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun seeing those two actors across each other. For sure. Uh, well, yeah, what did you think of the film? What did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, what stuck out this time? I really like it. I still find it a very likable movie. I had a hard time articulating exactly why I like it so much. I, I, comedies are just hard for me to review. I, I feel like I have very little insightful or intelligent things to say about them. Just LOL. Uh, LOL, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the comedic timing is really good. The script is, specifically the jokes in the script, are funny jokes, and they land well. They're delivered well. I think Jesse Eisenberg is a great physical comedian, even though I don't think of his physicality much. Like that scene where he falls off the motorcycle, there's just dumb stuff <laughs> like that that made me laugh way harder than I thought I would laugh at something like that. Uh, like, you know, just in the script, he, he falls off the motorcycle, whatever. It's nothing, but it, it got me. It works. Um, I was surprised at how small the movie felt this time, as we already discussed. Like, it's this great big movie and it's pretty big budget, but really it's a lot of them just hanging out. But I think that's why it's so likable to an extent, because you really get a lot of the characters, get a lot of them talking to each other. You get moments between... Tallahassee and Little Rock, you get moments between Little Rock and Columbus, Columbus and Wichita, you know, everybody interacts pretty well together. Mm -hmm. Um, And the zombies look really good. You know, even if the kills aren't quite as gory and detailed as we thought, the individual zombies all look very good and pretty creepy. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything uh, that you said there. Like, uh, yeah, I think the strength is uh, these characters, the dy- dynamics between them, like w- what you get there, like they're them riffing off each other, uh, I think is like one of the strengths here. And yeah, the editing, comedic timing done so well. Uh, the interplay of the narration, of the words coming up on the screen, 
uh, and like the this adherence to the rules are, are, are so much fun. Um, the gore, like you said, so so great. Um, but yeah, looking back, it's like plot points. They're like it's basically like three bullets, like on on, on how this movie works, and it's kind of crazy. You've got like so much in this film, but like so little actually happening. Uh, so I I thought that it's kind of a weakness like not do a lot and like kind of try to deliver it all in like this big ending which ends up being more action than like impactful um the second thing is the character journey which we kind of talked about with uh columbus's character like there are these certain setups around like building trust with people connecting uh with others around you uh giving up on like your past life finding yourself in a group which uh i think we're supposed to be like meaningful things or like his uh Tallahassee's drive to get that Twinkie I think it was symbolic uh, for something and at the end that that's like what a uh, little rock gives him and like so there's like this big kind of coming together but I, I feel like it wasn't executed that well or kind of rushed or forgotten or thrown under the bus a bit like uh all we know is like a lot of these characters just trusted each other and then at the end suddenly they're all they're all together and like have they really won each other's trust now and are things going to be okay or not have they really gone through the personal journey to evolve as a character I, I feel like I've got some unanswered questions there do you, are you, you feel like you're missing any of that i don't feel that way no i mean they had all lost something uh, we get the background of woody harrelson that he lost his son you know columbus lost his parents theoretically but really columbus is just like i never thought i liked people but now i really miss them I think they all have this concept of found family. And I think a lot of other zombie movies and apocalypse movies are about how people interact. And yeah, they can't trust each other or they've got competing motivations. They're all butting heads. And in the end, it's their demise. It was nice to see one where everybody is like, oh, like maybe we're better together than apart. We feel like we found a family again, even though the world is shit. And we're going to stay together. And the Twinkie represented, at some point, uh, Columbus said, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like a Twinkie to him represents like a simpler Time life and like, like a, back when the world was normal. Yeah. And I think to find the Twinkie at the end is like, this is starting to feel like normal again, not just for Tallahassee, but for all of them. Like, they're having fun. They're with people they care about. It's starting to feel like the normal world again, even though everything's irreparably changed. They, they've found a sense of peace, calm, normalcy, and family. Uh, yeah. I think that's a big deal. And, and I think we got a sense of why that was a big deal to all of them. Yeah, I mean, I think when you put it that way, that that would have made a lot of sense. And like, yeah, they all like find something very special in this group. I'm not convinced, though, that they all felt that way. Like, I know... We know we're most rooted in Columbus as a narrator, and we know like he feels like a sense of desperation to connect and like be a part of this group. I don't feel like I get that necessarily from any of the other characters. Like Tallahassee at the end, I don't feel like he's like suddenly got like strong, some strong emotional connection to I gotta stick with this group. Or even uh, yeah, even Wichita and Little Rock. I know like these two come to save them at the end, and it was that all it took for them to finally be like, oh yeah, we need these people. Or did we need to, like, I, I feel like it could have been a much bigger sign of, like, uh, coming together at, at the end of, of, like, these characters all respecting one another. I agree with you, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, some of these uh, gripes I didn't have, but I really can't argue with. And I think they could have done a better job of having Tallahassee bond with 
Little Rock and being like, oh, like I'm going to take you under my wing and kind of be a dad to you. Right. And she could be like, oh, I maybe I like having a dad. And exactly. he could be like, I lost a son, but maybe I could gain a daughter. We have that moment of him teaching her how to shoot. Right. They could have done more with that. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a short movie. Honestly, I feel like it could have been 15 minutes longer and we could have had maybe a tad more action throughout and, and more of those moments where they really connected in a bigger way, more yeah. profoundly. I agree. I felt like coming out the end, I, that, that's kind of what I was missing. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a happy ending of the four of them coming together. But uh, we're all sort of like rooted in one character and we don't really know the full emotional range or attachments that the other members of the group have to one another. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think that was the only thing I was missing there. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think, again, with comedies, we talked about this in Tucker and Dale. It's so easy to just not really pick up on cinematography and technical aspects because you're just kind of involved in the jokes. But I really think stuff for stuff to land and the action in this, like the action never... Maybe you could want some more of it. Maybe you could want more specific things from the action. But the action to me is never boring. It's always interesting and fun and engaging. I think the cinematography and direction have a lot to do with the action and comedy succeeding like it did. Mm-hmm. They all come together um, really nicely. Yeah. Yep. Do you? How do you feel about movies where you have a narrator kind of explaining uh, their perspective and what's going on? Um, I've heard like some people criticize that as being like, a, a cheat because like you're not you're telling instead of like just showing you have someone like telling you like how they feel about something or uh how, how they relate to something or their or their perspective on something versus like showing it and and they get very upset by it do you fall into that camp at all yeah i mean there is the criticism that it's a kind of like lazy writing if you did that in a screenwriting class you'd probably get slapped on the wrist <laughs> sure but i think it really works with certain movies and this is a movie, having seen it so many times, it's hard to step out and be like, oh, this movie has a very specific style and tone. Mm-hmm. And they do, they succeed at maintaining that tone throughout and feeling like they're being honest to it and nothing feels forced. I think the narration is just very much part of that. And we couldn't get these flashbacks. We, How would we know about the world without someone explaining it to us? Yeah. I mean, that's a the teacher of the screenwriting class would probably smack me on the face for even asking, <laughs> yeah. saying that rhetorical question. But in this movie, I think it makes sense to have someone explaining it to us because we're just jumping right in. It's 90 minutes. It's a comedy. Yeah. It's a big budget mainstream movie. It's sure. not specifically for a horror audience, it feels like. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, it does. They, they do make it work here. And, and the fact that, like, they lead with it, it, like, you're just, like, used to it by the time the movie's, like, five minutes into it. Like, okay, cool. I'm going to get this is the voice that's going to, like, carry this film. Uh, I do think, though, you've got movies like other horror comedies that don't have that narration, like Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and, and they're still able to, like, paint a, v- a visual of, like, what's going on in the world, how the characters are acting. They still have, like, flashbacks sometimes, too. Uh, so I, I don't feel like it's truly necessary, but it does, like, add, like, a nice layer of, like, icing, and it makes it more fun for the viewer viewer's experience, too, to kind of know what's going on. But then I think to the detriment of it, you get so grounded in that one character who's a narrator, you might uh, not be as vested or as, like, uh, you might not have enough time to get to know the other characters. 
Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it adds or takes away. I think it's a, I just think it's a good fit for the movie. Sure. Sure. And I would say it adds, I guess. You would say it adds. Okay. Um, and then, uh, the, the impact of the cameo, uh, do you feel like it worked? Yeah. It's funny. Even now it's funny. Yeah. It's just it's funny how they're all such big fans and so tickled by him and yeah. little rock doesn't really even know who he is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amusing and it's just a good, this second act needs a place to hole up and have some of these character moments in Bill Murray's mansion. Seems like a perfect place to do that in a zombie comedy. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a really fun part of the film. Uh, well, great. Uh, anything else, or do you want to jump to the rating? Let's let's jump to this rating. All right. Zero to five um, pianos falling on zombies. What would you give this one? I had a really hard time with this one because I just really like it a lot. I was going to say 4.5, but then I was kind of doubting that just because it's so... It Simple. feels so light, and like we talked about, just quick. You could write out the plot on the back of a napkin, and there aren't many big, big moments in it. I feel like it's like a 4.25 for me. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, you going to go in the middle? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with 4.5, but I could also see one day just being like, you know, this is just a 4. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's easy to take for granted that the comedy works as well as it does. Exactly. I, yeah. I don't a, think there are any jokes that miss. Right. Yeah. That's no easy feat in a comedy. Uh, and yeah, there's this. So many comedies can get stale really quickly, but the, yeah. this one still stays fresh. Yeah. So, I'll stick with my four point five. How about right. you? Good call. How many pianos falling on zombies. <laughs> I was at three and a. I was between a three and a half and a four pianos uh, falling in zombies uh and my main critique was yeah the the plot is very thin here but i think you know in in some ways that could be viewed as a strength because it does give more room for us to focus on the character interplay and the fun like uh segue of or like the you know the 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 what would you call that like this uh experiment in the middle where uh or this detour in the middle with with bill murray kind of makes room for like some fun unexpected things so you know the the lack of like having a a plot by plot points gives gives the movie some creative freedom that I think it takes advantage of pretty well. So I think I'd go with four pianos falling on zombies. Uh, it, but mostly to your point, it, it is a really fun, well executed film with great characters and uh, suspenseful when it has to be great action, um, but really just great comedy and, and good pacing. Agreed, man. Well directed action sequences, great comedic timing from the four leads. It's a classic Zomcom. It's easy to watch and easy to like. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember uh, your thoughts on the second one? Uh, I feel like we're a little bit down. I on think that we one. were like three, three point five on that one. We were just like, yeah, it's good, but nothing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a hard, hard film to follow up. Uh, Interesting point you made there, where the light plot kind of gives the movie creative space, yeah. and I think there was some improv from the actors too. I want to say I remember uh-huh. reading that and. I do think it makes it a bit more spacious, even especially being a, a small, a short movie. Right. Uh, it makes it feel a little bit more relaxed and less less rushed. Exactly, and it, then it gives room for like all these like small, like subtle jokes in there, just like the characters riffing off one another. Uh, yeah. Great, like one-liners going back and forth. So yeah, it's it's it's. I think they use it to its their advantage. Yeah, cool. That That's makes it. me feel more confident in my four point five. Cool. <laughs> All right. I Great. rate um, I rate comedies pretty. High. If a comedy is funny, then I, I rate it pretty highly. Yeah, I know. I know, man. That that's that's no easy thing. 
Uh, any other background or any other thoughts you want to share on this? That's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, then we'll wrap it up then. That's been our discussion on Zombieland. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show. And we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to support our show, you can find the link to our Patreon page on our website. Uh, that's horrormovieclub.com. It's a big orange button. You can click and donate as little as $1 a month and get access to fun bonus contents. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links at horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where we're chatting up with other fans of the horror genre. You can find the link to that on our website. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're headed to an amusement park in the middle or after a zombie apocalypse, I guess, maybe don't turn all the lights on uh, to attract and avoid attracting undue attention from nearby zombies and uh, maybe go in the daytime or something or just turn on one right at a time. I don't know. Indoor amusement park, potentially. Oh, yeah. The IX Center. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that song? <laughs> IX Indoor Amusement uh, Park. <laughs> I never went there. How about you? Me neither. No, the commercials are great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Missed out. <laughs>